you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to this Yuletide edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. It is holiday time. Happy Hanukkah to all of my listeners and downloaders. Merry Christmas in advance to all of you as we get set for a Christmas Eve week 16 in the NFL. After a week 15 that is as crazy and unpredictable as one that I have ever seen. We had basically four 10 and 3 teams entering Week 15 in the AFC, only one of them won. Only one of them won, and it's the New England Patriots who beat the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow in that highly anticipated matchup. They are the one seed in the AFC. Had the Steelers won the final game of Week 15, they would be in the one seed. Instead, they are the five seed. Talk about how one game can change one team's fortunes, perhaps moving forward in the NFL and in the NFC, the Packers lost their first game of the year against a team that just fired its coach, put in an interim head coach with a new quarterback that's you know only had a few weeks to learn the system and Kyle Orton. If if we had told you throughout this entire journey of the of the 2011 season that the Green Bay Packers would eventually lose a game and the team that they'd lose against would be the Kyle Orton quarterbacked and Romeo Cornell coached Kansas City Chiefs. What in the world, Chris Law? Would you have said? I, I would be surprised and shocked. No I mean, way that happens. it's unbelievable. And in the same week, the Indianapolis Colts win their first game, win their first game, beating a Tennessee Titans team that needs to win in order to stay mm-hmm. a pace in the AFC wildcard race that the Jets still hold the sixth seed in, even though they got absolutely smoked by the Philadelphia Eagles, who were left for dead on Thursday night football a couple of weeks ago in Seattle, and yet have a... I wouldn't say clear path, but definitely a defined path to winning the NFC East. It's crazy. Yeah. So there was a first win for Indianapolis, first loss for Green Bay, two blackouts for San Francisco. (laughs) I mean, what a week this was. Did Romeo Cornell just play himself into a possible candidate? Who knows? I mean, he, you know, he was on total access this week. Kara Henderson asked him that question, but he was, you know, typically humbled and saying, you know, you know, I'm just taking it one at a time. And he's got Oakland this week. Uh, there are playoff clinching scenarios for the first time in 2011 for Detroit. If they beat San Diego, they are in. Atlanta, if they beat New Orleans, they're not only in as a wild card, but they're potentially still up for grabs in the NFC South. If New Orleans wins that game, New Orleans wins the NFC South. And then we'll, you know, we'll know at that time uh, where they stand for the two seed, essentially, because San Francisco is playing one of the few late games on Christmas Eve, that big game in Seattle, which, by the way, if they had held on to the fourth quarter 10-point lead against the Washington Redskins the week before we went there for Thursday night football, they'd be 8-6 and six right now. Unreal. They'd be 8-6 and six right now instead of 7-7. Seven and seven. And, um, you know, if San Francisco loses that game, 
which is possible because it's a short week for them. Seattle's playing lights out. It's in their building where they're even more lights out than normal. And San Francisco, the reason why they are ahead of New Orleans right now is because they have one fewer loss in conference. They would have similar records in conference. And I don't know off the top of my head, common opponents, all of that sort of stuff. But that's a huge game in Seattle this week. Oh, yeah. The the aforementioned Seattle collapse, the Eagles collapses early, the Cowboys collapses, and all the Tebow comebacks. Have you ever seen a year where there's been this many fourth quarter comebacks? No. No. Arizona has seven of them now, which is is tied for second most all time. John Skelton's four and one. Unreal. I mean, what a week week 15 was. And with the Ravens losing and the Jets losing and the Texans losing and the Steelers losing, those are four teams in the top six of the conference. The seedings didn't change. The only things that changed basically was New England. It's unbelievable. The Jets are still the six seed. The Steelers are still the five seed. The Ravens are, are the two seed because they have the, the tiebreak over the Texans, who are now the three seed. And that's a big game for the Texans on Thursday night on our network. They need to take care of business against a surging Colts team looking for a winning streak. <laughs> it's unbelievable. If you're a Colts fan, what do you what do you want out of this? With the, Wins. With I, mean, wins. Not, I mean, that's done. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess it's not done. You're right. The Rams not, have only yeah, two losses. Two. Uh, one, there's one other team with two. They have a quarterback as well, though, so they're not looking like they're going to draft luck. I'm trying to think who it is. The other two loss team. Yeah, the other two loss team is Minnesota. But the Rams can't draft a quarterback. Do they trade that pick if they do end up yeah. with the number one? Overall? I don't know. I mean, Christian Ponder maybe. I mean, you not you do, do not draft Andrew Luck because you have Christian Ponder. I mean, seriously, think about it. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, tough. these are going to have to be, and, and Sam Bradford in St. Louis is on the hook for a ton of money. Luck is whoever, you know, he's going to be cheaper. Luck's half as expensive. I mean, that's what I mean, you got to think about that. And if somebody wants Bradford, you could trade him away trade, for more draft yeah. picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's, you know, Tell Indianapolis you. may not get him. Joe if Webb, they keep on winning. Joe Webb looked good for yeah, the Vikings. I know he's not the future, but man, his ability to scramble. But I'll tell you what, week 15 was out of control. And it, it's uh, all sorts of different playoff scenarios are, are in effect for this week. Denver can clinch the West if they beat Buffalo and Oakland loses to Kansas City, which means it is possible that Kyle Orton helps clinch the AFC West for Denver. And if Denver loses in Buffalo, it is possible that Kyle Orton can go to Denver in week 17 and put the Chiefs in the playoffs and knock Denver out. I mean, that is entirely possible. Obviously, San Diego's in Detroit for a big game for both of those teams this week. Um, so so or- Orton goes to Denver. Does Orton hear a boo? Very well done. I'll be here all night. Be sure to tip All right, Dr. Seuss. Good job. <laughs> Dallas has a playoff clinching scenario for the first time this year. If Dallas beats Philadelphia and the Jets beat the Giants, that's over in the NFC East. And Philadelphia's late-season surge is done. Um and, of course, that would be huge for the Jets if the Jets beat the Giants and if Philadelphia beats the Cowboys. Eagles are still alive entering Week 17. They play the Redskins at home. They take care of that, and the Giants somehow take care of the Cowboys. The Eagles win the NFC East at 8-8. Eight and eight. This is great stuff, and we'll talk about it on this podcast. Dan Patrick, my good friend from uh, back in the Sports Center days. I've known him for 15 years. I appear on his radio show each and every week. He's going to join us from his man cave, Dave Damashek. Uh, the Shack Republic comes to this podcast as uh, he was the uh, 
he was the second podcast in, in NFL Media yes. World, correct? The Dave Damashek football program that you can also check out at NFL.com slash podcast. His shame report, always popular and entertaining on, on NFL Total Access now. He's played himself into the network lineup, man. Moving on up. Yes. Uh, he'll join us. And then my two insiders together, Michael Lombardi and Jason Lock and four. I want to ask him about coaching changes. I want to ask him if there's any rule changes that we should be looking forward to in the offseason with all of these offenses on tilt. I mean, Breeze is going to set a new mark that Marino would never even dreamed of having. Um, we'll talk about that all on the podcast. Let's get it started. He is the host of his own nationally televised and also broadcast radio show. He is the host of Sunday Night Football's pregame show on NBC. He's got the Bears at the Packers on Christmas night. He is my good friend, Dan Patrick. Welcome back to the podcast, DP. Happy holidays to you, Rich. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dan. The same to you and your family. Um, Let me start with the Steelers on that Monday night game against San Francisco. Do you think... They should rest Ben Roethlisberger knowing that they've got a playoff spot right now since he clearly did not look like the Ben Roethlisberger that we've come to know and accept. I understand Mike Tomlin. Tomlin and his philosophy, if you're cleared by the medical staff, you're going to play. But it got to 20-3, to and I said, take him out. Because now you've got two more games. You want to give him some rest. And you've got a short work week where you got your game coming up on Saturday – I don't know if he's going to aggravate it even more than what it already is, but it's a high ankle sprain. Those don't go away in a, in a relatively short period of time. That would be my big concern. Home field advantage, you're probably not going to get it, but make him healthy because you are good enough to win on the road anywhere in the NFL. I mean, that's what they did in 2005. That's what the Packers did last year uh, was go on the road and win a Super Bowl. And if if you think about it, you and I have spoken about it when I've been on your show and you've been on this one, that Roethlisberger is the type of quarterback where the play begins after he gets hit. And on Monday night, he was just like any other quarterback that the play ended when he was hit. And it's just not the same. It just isn't the same. He's trying to extend the the play. That's what he does as well as anybody. But it almost seemed like once he got hit, he didn't want to try to extend the play or he couldn't extend the play. And it, it just you were watching them. They were a wounded team out there without James Harrison and with even Ben in there. They're a better team than that. And if they're healthy, I still think they're the team to beat in the AFC. You do that. You still yep. you still peg yep. the defending AFC champs yep. as the as the front runners, really. Yeah, yep. I had them going to the Super Bowl start the year. I still feel that way. Remember when everybody said that they, they were? were over yeah. the <laughs> over the hill? They were old. They were only six months older than they were when they went to the Super Bowl. Right. I know. And they had a chance on Monday night to essentially control their own destiny to have everything go through. Uh, Heinz Field. Now, uh, it would be a shocker if the Patriots did not have the one seed when it's all said and done with two home games against the lower tier AFC East teams, Miami and Buffalo. Do you you think Pittsburgh could go into Gillette and knock the Patriots off? Hold on, Rich. Okay. Hold on, Rich. I, I had a technical difficulty here. Please stand by. Wait, wait, wait. There you go. Hello. I had a technic. I had a technical difficulty. Are you there? See this? A little TV term. That's my IFB right there. That's your there. IFB. And, it, and, it, and that's my IFB pack right there. Did it, it fall it off fell. the back yeah, off your yeah, belt? Are, are you not yeah. wearing your belt again? Or is no, that like... I didn't. I didn't have my IFB belt. But, okay. Um, yeah, it, that's a new division in boxing, the IFB belt. Or is that, so that's, I did sort not of like a, that's sort of like a Plexico setup you got there. I got it, You got though. your sweats, yeah, I, no belt, no, uh, and something no. can slip and fall. And 
could it hurt yourself. It was a yourself. Rogers moment. Okay. I had my IFB belt on. Okay, now I'm, I'm good. Discount double-checked your IFB belt. I yes, like that. I'm good. So what I was essentially asking you is, so you think the, the Steelers can go into Gillette and take care of business? Because it looks yeah. like the Patriots are going to have... Uh, the, the home field advantage throughout. I, I look. I I look at the Patriots, and I'm not quite sure what I'm getting each week. I think that you know you're going to get offense, um, but I don't know what you're going to get defensively. We're going to give them a little more credit than they deserve for what they did to uh, Tim Tebow. I'd like to see what happens when you bring a running game in there, a good defense. And you make every possession count for Tom Brady. We've seen that before, whether it's the Jets or the Ravens. They've been able to beat the Patriots. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again this year with you know one of these other teams like the Steelers. What do you make of the 49ers now? Uh, that was an impressive performance. That's exactly what they need to do in order to win football games. They executed their game plan. Uh, and they didn't have Patrick Willis. Uh, I understand the Steelers didn't have James Harrison, but they, they looked pretty darn impressive. How far do you think that team can go? Well, it's going to come down to can they win a game on the road if they're going to go to the Super Bowl because the Packers have home field advantage. The win was big on Monday night because now that you know you can hold off the Saints, I think the Saints and Packers are better than them. But if the Saints have to go there, uh, you know, I, I like San Francisco. San Francisco controls the tempo very well. And having watched them play this year, you have to watch an entire game with, with them to appreciate the Niners. They're not a highlight team. If you watch, you go, oh, and Frank Gore scored again. Uh, maybe you'll get a Crabtree touchdown or Vernon Davis and a sack. But watch them start to finish. That's a good team, a really good team. And at home, it'll be a different team. But eventually, they're going to have to win a game on the road. And, of course, the home field advantage includes turning the lights off on the opponent every now and then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Welcome I mean, to San Francisco, Candlestick that, Park. Or Candlelit Park, right? <laughs> As... Or, yeah, uh, what, what was it? Uh, What'd you hear? Uh, uh, Fr- Fritzy called it, uh, let's see, Candlestick Dark. Oh, Candlestick Dark. <laughs> yeah, Candlestick like Dark. It. Yeah, that was his headline on the show. I, I like that very much. Yeah, somebody, somebody uh, the, the best line I heard is that they blame the bad Transformer on Megan Fox. It was her fault. Wow. See, that's next I level. I thought it was uh, a, a Buffalo Wild Wings yeah. where they, they control what happens in a game. <laughs> well, we cert- don't want this game to start on time. Yeah, certainly if the, the quarterback's uh, taking a needle to the ankle, you know, I mean, just make him stand there for 15 Absolutely. some odd Absolutely. minutes. Absolutely. You know? Remember uh, when that happened with Cal Ripken's streak when the – the transformer, the lights went down in Baltimore. Well, yes, and I he w- got to keep the streak alive. Dan, I was doing Sports Center that night after the Seattle Mariners Baltimore Orioles game. It was the leaders of the uh, of the East against the West, and it was a perfect night for baseball. And I remember I was going to do Sports Center. I don't know who <laughs> I was doing it with. Maybe I was doing it with you after the game. And then all of a sudden, we had a tap dance for two and a half hours because of the lights going down and and. That to me, I think, was the inspiration of the Jim Brockmeyer video. That well, we were there in. was there was some uh, suspicious nature about that with uh, <laughs> yeah. with with Cal Ripken mm-hmm. and keeping the streak alive. But hey, whatever it takes to keep that streak alive. That might have been the last blackout related ESPN scenario that I think between <laughs> that that game and then and then the Monday night game. Yeah. What was yep. what was the, did you what was your Sports Center moment where you had a run down to the set? And and, and on, uh, at a moment's notice, and start filling. It was usually uh, let's see when somebody was um, if there was a pitching performance Sunday night, mm-hmm. we had to follow the game 
baseball game, and I forget who it was. It may have been Greg Maddox. He was finishing a game in about you know an hour and a half, and all of a sudden we're going. This is going to end at like nine forty-five instead of eleven o'clock. Right. And we had to scramble to run down there, and then you got to fill all that time with Sports Center. So I remember that one. Um, but that was it. When you were doing the late Sports Center, you were always following right. the game. Right. Once the game ended, you were on. Sometimes the game sped up a little bit, and then you had to uh, speed up your. I remember running with Oberman, mm-hmm. running down to the set, uh, and Howie Schwab was running with us, <laughs> and Howie always had his keys and about fifty dollars in change, and you would just hear him <laughs> as if he just robbed a bank, and we're running down to the set to do Sports Center. That's one way to stump him, right? Stump the Schwab. Yeah. It's still one of the all timers. That, uh, as far as stats go, he loved getting the information to you. Somebody could homer. Mm-hmm. He wanted to run across the room to give you the information before the guy got to home plate. <laughs> he took great pride. He's the we best. kept Howie Schwab in shape by the number of home runs that were hit. So And, and running down to the studio at last minute. I once did a yes. sports center with Linda Cohn uh, in the rare instance where it wasn't following live programming, but we had to run about an hour before because there was the Andrew Galata Riddick bow fight going on in midtown Manhattan, Madison square garden. And that was the one where Galata kept going low on Riddick bow to the point where there was a brawl that broke yeah. out. Cops yep. were called in. I think Nick Bakai had one of the best lines ever that, that, uh, Galata hit bow in the forbidden speed forbidden. bag. <laughs> Uh, and that's what and they tap dance monday night they did i mean they were all over the fact that you know roethlisberger's ankle was was uh was needing to stay warm and then of course there's the whole issue about the facility that candlestick is outmoded and oh gosh you know so yeah they were all over that um what do you make of i guess the jets and the giants this week dan because these are both new york teams that that uh, that need it. Rex said this week that we're not the little brother anymore. We've been in the playoffs last two years, and this is coming off of a shellacking at the hands of the Eagles. What, what, what do you make of this game? I don't listen to any of the dialogue because Rex has told us an awful lot, and uh, now's the time just play. You don't need to say you're no longer little brother. Just play. Mm-hmm. Just win. That's all. Nobody cares about anything else this time of the year. How about everybody just shuts up and plays? You can talk all you want on Sunday. You can open up your Christmas gift on Saturday afternoon if you win. But I don't want to hear anything else. And you certainly won't hear it from Tom Coughlin. And I'm curious, is is Tom Coughlin coaching for his job mm. this weekend? Uh, and, and you don't know. You don't know. I mean, the Giants, as you know, are a very patient yes. uh, organization. And they like Coughlin a lot. But if he loses this game, that's six losses in seven games. You go from You go from six and two. Um, to um, seven and eight, that is that is a free fall. Um, so I don't know where that that lands. And then of course there's the Cowboys game, um, in <laughs> in week seventeen that they could go ahead and win, uh, despite looking horrible over the previous two weeks. You just never know. Yeah, especially somebody's going to win the NFC East. Uh, <laughs> yes. Maybe by default, but somebody has to win it. And if it's the Eagles, it sure, be. why not? I mean, why it could not? Be. Why, yeah. That is a totally feasible scenario. Jets beat Giants, Eagles beat Cowboys, Giants sure. beat Cowboys, sure. Eagles beat why? Redskins, and that's it. <laughs> that's I mean, it, it sounds you know uh, far fetched, but that's when you look at it, it's feasible. And then they'd be very dangerous, wouldn't they? Be one of the more dangerous teams in the playoffs if they actually do that. 
Yeah, in fact, Phil Simms, uh, when I talked to him earlier in the week, he said they could go on a run similar to Green Bay did last year that you sort of forget about them, and then they load up and they're ready to go. And I, I think offensively they could do it. Defensively, they're not as good as the Packers were last year. All right, so let's, uh, let's get right down to it then. Uh, Texans win the South. Patriots obviously win the East. Uh, the Steelers and the Ravens are both coming out of the North. Who wins the AFC West I guess I'm going to go with the Broncos got Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule would favor them. I'm, I'm going to go with them. Uh, the, the Raiders, that's, that loss at home is, is more than just one loss, in my opinion. That was huge. I mean, that's a crusher. Because you, you, you're up, you're winning, and it's going to be a big win because the Broncos uh, are losing at the same time. And I said at the time, there's two minutes ago, and I said to Tony Dungy, I said, this is the season for both of these teams. And Stafford produces... Somehow the Raiders forgot that Calvin Johnson was on. Maybe they were listening to Chris Carter that Calvin Johnson's not one of the top five receivers. <laughs> nice. And they probably went, oh, that's right. He's good. He's very good. <laughs> they forgot about him. I know. That was a crusher. So you'll go with Tebow yeah. to win that division. Yeah, hey, sure. Don't forget what I told you. I think we were in, I was doing my weekly appearance with you, and I was in Denver. I think I was in Den- no, not Denver, Seattle. That's where it was. Yeah. And I told you your Week 17 game on NBC, where where it's the last game of the regular season. I told you Orton at Tebow. I predicted that, and it sure looks like that could be the case after Orton. What he did against Green Bay, they take on Oakland this week. If somehow Buffalo pulls one out against Denver, that may be Week 17 on NBC. Yeah, I'm not it's sure gonna... what we have, but I, I'd be fine with that because we were building up to Green Bay undefeated, the mm-hmm. Bears, maybe Cutler back. Right. Now it's just, um, you know, Merry Christmas. We have Packers and uh, the Bears. Uh, I don't know how much drama is attached to it. <laughs> Enjoy we'll it. We've it up, got though. Texans Colts. <laughs> yeah. oh, so you soak in Bears, Packers, Dan. I don't yeah, know if you, you heard my... Circled yours. You circled yours a long time ago to say, this is going to be great, must-see TV. Yeah. I'm at least acknowledging it's not as good as I was hoping it was going to be on Christmas you, night. You definitely didn't hear my line on Game Day Highlights because you're doing your uh, show on Sunday mm. night while I'm doing mine. But we had the promo for Texans and Colts, and I'm like, shove <laughs> against Peyton Manning for the AFC. No, sorry, I wrote that in April. I have, I've got seven-month-old copy here. Uh, so who do, who then takes the last wild card spot in the AFC? Do you, do you think the Jets do or somebody sneaks up? Do the Chargers get a God. chance if the Jets Bengals? slip up? What do you think, Bengals? What about the Bengals? You tell me. I, I don't think so. I mean, they've got the Ravens one more time. And, I know. Uh, A.J. Green is hurt, so I don't know. Um, but if the Jets slip up, somebody else could go in there. I think the Jets actually do pull it out. I really I'm do. Gonna, I, I'm going to say the Jets, but uh, begrudgingly, because I, w- I would love for the Bengals to actually beat somebody over 500 and and earn their way in, but... Looking at the crowd that they had this last game, they don't deserve to go in, or at least those fans don't don't deserve a playoff team. I think the Bengals have been they've they've shown they've shown a lot of improvement. They're not there Pittsburgh Baltimore wise, but at least there's a nucleus there and there's a pulse there. I, I would hope that the fans would understand what they have there and embrace it, but they didn't do it. They haven't done it. So and maybe maybe the Jets are going to go in begrudgingly. And lastly, in the in the East uh, in the NFC, that's the only one really up for grabs because it looks like the the Lions have a win and in scenario. If they beat San Diego, they're in. Yeah. Atlanta has just needs uh, one more win and they are in. Obviously, this one's a big one against the Saints. Um, 
So it looks like those are going to be your two wildcard teams or two clear of the field, Atlanta and Detroit. They have to have an unmitigated collapse for that to happen, meaning the NFC East is really the only spot that's up for grabs. Who do you think winds up with that finally? Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to go Eagles just to be, you know, why <laughs> nice. not? Why you know? not? I mean, why not? Right. Yeah. Juan Castillo for mayor. Juan Castillo for mayor all of a sudden. <laughs> Andy yep. Reid, all of a sudden coach of the year. Oh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I shall accept that. Thanks for joining me from, from uh, your man cave, Dan. Hey, I appreciate as that. always, thank you. And uh, the great, great folks there at the NFL Network, thank you for uh, all the coverage you've given us. And, of course. Uh, we, we, you've got we the best watching. show. You've got the best thank show, you. DP. And, and I'm not saying that because I just because I heard, is it true that my is my face above the basketball rim? Is there something of me above your basketball rim? Yes, is it, there is. Yes. yes. What 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 is it? It? Uh, it was a sign that was held up at uh, a football game that was played at Wrigley Field and they couldn't put up my face. It was Occupy Game okay, Day. Right. So they put your face up uh-huh. to somehow get the message across. Oh, yeah, that, like, oh, my face, I'm sure, that passes mu- Bristol muster, right? They were fine with you. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the, okay. mother, you know, the mothership has no problem. You haven't done anything or said anything. You uh, no, play nice neither, with the SPL. Not really, you haven't either, though, Dan. I mean, you haven't, I mean, you know. Uh, I take a couple of shots. Okay. But All see, right. you're looking for a landing spot, you know, that maybe, <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> you know, Berman leaves, sure. NFL countdown, yeah. and then you walk in. Sure. Okay. I'll take over from here. You go Alexander Haig on the rest of the building. I like it. I like it. I'm here. Well, I got it. I've okay. done this before. All right. So basically, you're just ruining my shot for that landing spot by putting my face above your rim. But that's okay. Mm. That's okay. I'm mm. fine with that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm part of the Dan Nation, as you know I am. I love that. I love that. Thanks, DP. Uh, I, I, will talk to you, uh, I will talk to you soon. Later this week. That's Dan Thank Patrick you, joining me from the man cave of his stupendous show that you could see on DirecTV and Fox Sports Nets affiliates. And also we'll see Dan on Sunday night on NBC. Please do welcome... Uh, on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light, a man who officially made the uh, podcasting thing here in NFL media uh, a library, a full-on different cornucopia of shows. A family, if you will. Yes, indeed. He is the host of the Dave Damashek football program, also uh, part of the fantasy program here on NFL Network. You can also catch this man's shame report on NFL Total Access every Saturday. Good to see you, Dave Damashek. Rich, how are you? What just, a pleasure. I just shook your hand in the, the, the wire, wire got in there. That's, I know. That was sort of an awkward way to do it. Let's do it. it. Yes, there, there we go. Happy holidays happy to you. Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays to you. Yes. Oh, you're all very rat packy here today. Is, is this? Is this? I, is what this, do you think of the skinny tie? Is I like it okay? It. Well, it's very good. I it's don't very know. good. Well, certainly you could you could show up on the fantasy show um, wearing basically something out of the 70s and look very fashionable next to those guys. <laughs> I mean, you yes, go skinny tie and those. I mean, I know Elliot. Try, I know Elliot rocks th- vests every now and then. But not you, necessarily a you know a lot of a lot of uh, fashion faux pas committed yeah. out there. And then they what, what, the thing that really is surprising about it is is that they all have the temerity to rate my fashion. It's right. sort of, if you consider it a fashion faux pas, I think it believe, mm. makes it a fashion pas. You, <laughs> you who clearly, are these people? You clearly are the only person on that fantasy program who's got a, a woman in his life. It looks like to me. <laughs> You're married. You've got kids. You just you you definitely seem to be. You know, I I'm, I don't know if I I'm, I might be talking 
out of school. Am I right or am I no, wrong? No, yeah. Well, am well, I right? I think I'm right. I think it's, you know, but like I say, the thing that is shocking to me about this generation is yes. if you and I aren't familiar, if somebody, if we didn't happen to know who Charlie Taylor was, you know, if we couldn't name a name, if we didn't know who Brian Sipe was, we would feel shame about that and we would try <laughs> to hide that fact. Yeah. I've noticed that this generation, very often when I'm walking the halls of NFL Network, mm-hmm. if I mention, you know, Rocky Blyer, of course, made the, you know, an American hero. And be, I, I don't know who Rocky Blyer is. And they brag about it. They're proud of it. Why would I know is him? Is that right? He put, well, he there, was we playing before I was born. We have people on our staff who do not know who Rocky Blyer is. Rich. Do we really? I don't want, I, you know, I'm, I'm Throw a, people afraid. under the bus. Throw I'm them afraid. under the bus. I, I, I shan't name names. But, but I am. <laughs> Did you just use the word shant? That's right. That's right. I, I, <laughs> okay. I'm very concerned. Yes. About the fact that mm-hmm. I bring up Rocky Blyer and people don't know who he is. I say right. he's an American hero. They right. made they made a picture out of his life mm-hmm. starring, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the late, great Bobby Urich. And uh, <laughs> Vegas they, don't know, Dantana. they don't know who he is. Right. It's an out. And they no, bring. Brought, uh, do they not know who, who Bobby Urich is or That's another or Rocky reference. Blyer? And then they brag about that. Yeah. Well, uh, why would I know why about would I know? Well, you got to know who Bob Urich is. Yeah. Robert Urich, the famed Robert Urich, for I, sure. Again, I'm not going to name names. But I have brought up the name Drew right. Pearson, mm-hmm. and people do not know who Drew Pearson is at the NFL Network. We're rotting from the inside we out, are, do you see, Isaac? We're rotting from the inside out. I like that. It, by the way, when I was in Pittsburgh for the Thursday night game, it took me all of 15 minutes to meet somebody who knows you. <laughs> I'm on the tram. I'm on the tram heading from gate to yeah. baggage claim. Sure. Somebody drops Dave Damashek's name at me. Weird. You're that. You are that popular. Uh, yeah, on the banks of the three rivers, the name Damashek gets ink. Apparently, yeah. I, I like that you've. I've noticed that you tweet out. Mm-hmm. Um, what one of my favorite things is, is. It's all that you need to know about the city of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Is when you get off the airplane, the first thing you see is mm-hmm. what. First thing you see is 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 two statues or two. I guess uh, I don't even call them statues, but it's uh, on the left. It's George Washington, mm-hmm. father who, of our nation, father of our nation. But but as I learned. Um, he he fought the French Indian War in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Suffered his only career loss in Pittsburgh. I, I wasn't aware yes, of that. It's his only career loss. He, it sort of it's sort of like the the 2011 Packers. You know, like they have a celebration. <laughs> uh, they have a statue in Kansas City or something like that. Uh, their only he was his only career loss, but still fought valiantly. Apparently enough to get to merit a statue in the airport. Uh, and that's how he's wearing the brown wig, yeah, by the way. Right, which is yeah, you never see our... you, you never see that out of him. No. Exactly. Um, but he fought hard enough to merit um, some sort of commemoration uh, near the Cinnabon in the airport. And then, acro- <laughs> and then across the escalator, uh, that bank that's there taking you down to baggage claim, is, is uh, Franco. That's right. Reaching out for the Immaculate Reception. Clearly the ball not touching the ground in this uh, rendition. No, indeed. And... Um, as in and I real love life. that. I tweet that out every time I go to Pittsburgh because <laughs> I just love it. Just it, this is priority, you know, history, American history, and uh, football. Well, history. yeah, it's the two. It's the two most meaningful things, of course. And um, it's what, what I love is uh, what I've done is you know the little boy. Actually, I have a picture with both my kids doing this. Little mm-hmm. Jean Claude Van Damashek, my little boy. <laughs> he was uh, three months old, maybe. Right. And you know where Franco has the ball <laughs> positioned is just about the same size as an infant. Right. I found out, and so I placed the child. In front of the football, and it looks as though Franco and I are making the immaculate reception too. Immaculate conception, maybe. There you <laughs> go. Right. I like that. Yes. You know, I, I always think whenever I see that is if there was instant replay, would that have been overturned? Wow. 
Or the play would have stood as called, as they say, which is the parlance for we couldn't see anything to overturn it. I think there's no the way. Where the ruling on the field had been confirmed. I, well, it's one of my favorite things. One of my favorite chapters of Raider paranoia perpetuated mm-hmm. by John it's, Madden well, and Al Davis. There, pretty yeah, much, it's fantastic. If you think about it. You know. Well, and Al Davis, is, his, my favorite quote is a couple of years later, mm-hmm. he accuses the Steelers of icing down the uh, outside the hash marks to slow down the speedy Raider receivers. And he says, I can't do a good Al Davis, but he says, uh, if there was one man Mel Blunt feared in the NFL, it was Clifford Branch. I love Clifford. I love Clifford. Clifford. See, I'm the New Yorker. I could do that. But that 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 came out very facenda like what did you just it? did. Oh, yeah, wow. we did. It well, is, he I and I have very similar, similar pipes. <laughs> You've got similar pipes. So what do you make of your Steelers Dave, I mean, I'd ask this of Dan Patrick earlier in the show. Do you sit Ben? Because he clearly is better when he's got the mobility going. And right now he's he's like Fred G. Sanford in the pocket right now. <laughs> and just perfect example is the fumble that essentially iced the game. It led to the field goal that should have actually counted because of some phantom uh, launching penalty. It led to a touchdown for Frank Gore. But the fumble that Justin Smith caused... Ben would have run away from that pressure. Sure. Yeah, I, I think we, I think that. we just reject we, we take that game and we throw it out. It, it tells us nothing about what the Steelers are going forward, of course, because you had a hobbled Roethlisberger, which then affected the play calling and the ability. I mean, they couldn't even run play action with, with Roethlisberger right. because he was so hobbled. By the way, the Fred Sanford reference is mm-hmm. great because he was dressed, if you saw him before the game, a little like Fred Sanford. I did not was, see what he came with. Really? Did he, did he come in with the lid or what something? I, yeah, or? he had a lid and uh-huh. an ill-fitting jacket, and mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty good. But uh, And then what also disconcerting, I don't know if you caught this, he T-bowed before the game. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. All the guys mm. I was watching the game with, he, he T-bowed before the I game. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. What do you mean? And then, Well, then, then is it coincidence then that, uh, the that there's the massive out? explosion? Was it disapproval from a higher power? Listen, I've already chosen my team, Roethlisberger. I think he T-bowed after the lights came back on the first ah. time, though. If I could go through the chronology of last night, I think lights go out. Mm-hmm. He Tebow's goes back on the field, and he looked great in the first drive, except for that ball he forced into the end zone. True, you know. So, but I, I would, I, I would beg to differ with you that that a hobbled Roethlisberger, I think, is is what indicative of what's going to happen moving forward, unless he sits against the Rams. I think. Well, I, I mean, my but, hunch is is that that is exactly what they'll do. I can't imagine that they, at this point now. There are going to have to be some dominoes that fall for the Ravens to lose another game, which I actually think is going to happen. Who I think, they lose to? Well, the, I, the, you know, they, they finish up with Ohio the Bengals. Teams. Yeah, I think I, I, I absolutely can see them. The Bengals are very well maybe are playing for a playoff spot at that point if the Giants take care of the Jets this uh, this Saturday. So that's a meaningful game in all likelihood for the Bengals. And even if they do get the division crown mm-hmm. at this point, there's a chance that the Texans claim the second seed anyway. So it's uh, so I don't know that it means a great deal. There's, I, I feel like they're more or less locked into that number five seed. And, uh, you know, that, uh, so I, at this point I say do it. And, and the Steelers at the Broncos is not a uh, – doesn't send a chill up my spine as well, a Steelers fan. Well, certainly if both, if both quarterbacks are T-bowing against each other. Offsetting. Well, I, I don't think it's offsetting. <laughs> I think it's more to like a 15-yarder against a 5-yarder that you throw the 5-yarder out and you go, and Tebow's the 15-yarder. I, I mean, see. That's what I think. I don't think mm. they cancel each other out. You cannot Tebow 
against the original Tebow. It's you interesting. You just can't do it. And is that, in a way, by calling it Tebowing, mm-hmm. does that invalidate the centuries of people who have done it before? Isn't that yeah. really making him more powerful? Well, who else would? Who else he's would doing you, it I, for? I don't think it. There's just what's another one that would roll off the tongue. You know, I, yeah, I, um, I, I, Leo the Eleventh thing, or you know, I, you know what I mean. I don't see any. Uh, it's Tebowing. Um, what about uh, though? <laughs> what, what, that there's a storm cloud mm-hmm. in the on the horizon. And what is that storm cloud? Everybody, you know, and Madden. When the Madden video game comes out, someone's mm-hmm. got to be. Who's the story of the year? It's Tim Tebow. If Tim Tebow is on the cover of the next Madden video game, look out. What then? What I mean, the, this this metaphysical battle. Forces what what happens? What, what's going to be? Who's going to win? Madden. <laughs> or Tebow, <laughs> maybe he'll have to. De- maybe he'd have to be Tebowing on the cover to to get through. That it. might do it. Hey, I'm looking at all the games this week, um, and pretty much every game involves at least one team that still needs something in the playoffs. If you think about it, Texans at Colts. I'm not just saying that because it's on our air, but the Texans have mm-hmm. um, uh, the ability to. They have to play for a bye week, right? Don't you think that 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 would be something that they need is a week off. Everybody needs the week off, but just having them move forward as opposed to maybe being a week one done, one and done. Jets go there or something Absolutely. like that. I think it's I think right? it's monstrous for them. To, I think they need to, to they 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 could really use that two seed. But I know everybody loves to bat your or or have a laugh at uh, T.J. Yates. But I mean that, that running game and that defense, mm-hmm. I think they can go far. Right. I, 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 but I agree with you completely. If they have to start on the road, if they have to win three games to get to the Super Bowl, I don't give them much. Of a right. It, they that would be something. But they're eight and two right now in conference, which is better than so they're currently. Um, they're currently that that two seed. They need to win to stay put. And the Colts just, you know, won a game. Go figure that. Uh, the Patriots, they need to beat the Dolphins, who have been playing great, in mm-hmm. order to stay that one seed. That's a big one right there. Browns at Ravens. Enough said, right? Let's see what Flacco. I mean, Flacco see, is you, really. You I think... to, you, are you not wearing your, your Steeler colors every time? You, you, you tweeted out something very funny this week, too, which is like, uh, how do you like the media attention now, Flacco? Yeah, well, you getting that? I mean, that was I I've the, the 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 analogy, the literary analogy that I always make is mm-hmm. the Steelers are a Moby Dick and the Ravens are Ahab. Their obsession with the Steelers consumes them to the point that I mean, when they a, a game after it's mm-hmm. I, I predicted and people noticed that I picked Seattle to beat the Ravens the week after the Ravens came into Pittsburgh and won that game. And a lot of people were talking, how do this is what happens? They fall flat the week after Pittsburgh because they get so up for that game. Right. And, and, and the, all the Gatorade baths in, in midseason. Really? That that's where your dignity is. Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh. Right. Gatorade baths in week nine. I know. Not even Thanksgiving yet. Buccaneers at pa- Panthers. That that when you throw out the window there. Jaguars at Titans. The Titans are still seven and seven. We'll see what's happening. CJ two K to put your fantasy hat on. Uh, questionable in that one. That's a big. That's a big Super Bowl week fantasy. Yeah, but if you see right him there. healthy, you play him because the Jags. Everybody's talking about that defense is pretty good, but they're so banged up and they're you know they're mailing it in at this the Jaguars. Point. You yeah. think yeah. that was on Thursday night? That was a, that was brutal. Raiders at Chiefs monumental. That's big. Raiders at Chiefs is monumental. Giants boy, oh boy. at Jets is monumental. Cardinals at Bengals. I mean, the Cardinals are seven and seven. Uh, both the Lions and the Falcons. If they both win, they wrap up at least the wild cards. So, um, what do you think about the Lions going into the playoffs? Why not? I mean, I, 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 who do you think? Calvin Johnson. That was amazing. Mm, yeah, it, it's remarkable. It, it feels like an NBA game where it's all about isolation and everything. Didn't that? It, it struck me that that was similar. 
on that last drive, Stafford made no secret about where he was looking. Mm-hmm. Every time he he dropped back, he looked for Calvin Johnson, threw it to him right. in spite of double co- double coverage, bracketed up and down the field, and he just no matter, just right. throw it up for Calvin Johnson, and he kept making the plays. It's right. amazing. It's it's got to be scary. How can you possibly prohibit that from happening? Well, they uh, might wind up at the three seed, which could be the Saints. The Lions back in New Orleans, a repeat of that Sunday night game that we saw recently, and both of those are on tilt. Drew Brees is playing out of his head. I, I had a guy in my fantasy league who uh, scored 225 points over the two weeks. Yeah. Right? Oh. Uh, lost because he's playing against Drew Brees two straight weeks. <laughs> I mean, Brees is out of his skull right now, and I think he should get some talk for MVP. And I'm not just saying that because Aaron Rodgers just lost a game. I mean, Brees, what he's doing is insane. Uh, Rams at Steelers. You say again, Dennis Dixon should start that game. Is no, that I, right I think Chaz Batch is who, they'll, think is so? who they'll run out there. Yeah. I don't know, man. Put it on the defense. But that team's Tebow's so loud. Tebow's playing and everything went out. Why wouldn't you see get Dennis Dixon out there? Because it goes so against what they're what they're doing. I, I mean, think Chaz. I, I I think going into the playoffs, you got to figure Chaz Batch is going to be the first mm-hmm. option. He's barely touched the field in a couple of years. I think it makes sense. Yeah, to, no, well, he, he looked barely. I mean, that night that we were there when Ben was out, if he didn't take the needle, they were losing that game. Yeah, I he, think. Yeah, he's personally. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, but maybe it's a nice story. But uh, you know, Pittsburgh kid who took less money to stay there, but right. it's not so nice when he actually has to go onto the field and play. That's right. <laughs> Broncos at Bills. Broncos need that one. Vikings at Redskins. You throw out because neither of them are, are in a playoff scenario. Uh, Chargers at Lions. Huge. Oh, that's I, to huge. me. I mean, Giants and Jets is the most fascinating. I'd love for that game to be added annually to the calendar. I don't right. know why we don't have as many nice rivalries as the NFL has. Shouldn't we really make a point of creating those sort interconference? Like, re- yes. like the Yankees and Mets play every year. Of course, year and- Eagles, Steelers, Bucks and Dolphins, Raiders and Forty ers and mm-hmm. Texans and Cowboys. But the fact that they play once every four years makes it makes it that much bigger. You know. But Chargers at Lions is huge. But yeah, that's that. That's the other. That's one. The Chargers a on need. The game, Chargers so. need to win it to stay alive. Uh, the Lions. I think can the Chargers win up. that one. You I do, think the huh? Chargers do it. Man, Lions aren't incented to win. They need one more win to clinch the playoff spot. But they probably feel pretty good about themselves. Chargers, uh, on the other hand, absolutely have to win. Or Don't sleep done. on this one. Niners at Seahawks. I agree. The Seahawks Listen. are a hot team. We all know when they play in Seattle how good it, how loud it is. Uh, to call that a short week, I mean, the, the the Steelers clearly have the shortest week since they had to fly back after the two blackouts. They probably landed like but eight the Rams in the morning. don't count. But so. you know, but the Forty ers you know, a short week is shorter week is shorter week than uh, than most. I don't know, and they need that one. They need that one. If they if they win out, they'll be the two seed. But if they lose that one, that's in conference, and that brings the Saints back into play. If the Saints win, the only thing on I, I, I'm with you 100 percent that the Seahawks are going to show up for that one. They've been really very very good, and Marshawn Lynch is no jive. Ten mm-hmm. straight weeks getting into the end zone, and right. the defense looks good. And all those draft picks that we sort of laughed at on the you know whether they were reaching a little bit over the last couple of years on that offensive line are finally bearing fruit now that they're getting healthy. So yeah, the Seahawks are good. The only thing with the Niners is. Is it possible after a good defense and a tough spot for Alex Smith, he was terrific on Monday yep. night, and maybe he has taken it to another level and is hitting his stride? I don't think the Steelers blitzed him enough. I mean, we saw Alex Smith on Thanksgiving night, and it was it was within a, a, a quarter, Marshall says to me, standing there watching the sideline, that Alex Smith is watching the rush. He's already watching the rush. He's not seeing his guys hmm. down the field. And just the Steelers were rushing four. They weren't putting anybody in his face. Maybe it's because Harrison was out and Woodley hurt his hamstring again. I don't know. Eagles at Cowboys is monumental. Huge. 
absolutely huge. You know, the, I, you, you know, know the I, Eagles scenario making the playoffs. Is sure, totally I do. Feasible. And, I, and yeah, I, you know, I I can absolutely as snake bitten as the Cowboys have been this year. I can see a 37-34 type uh, Eagles How great, win. It's going to be great. You just know it's going to be an S show, for the lack of a better phrase. You know, I mean, that is just going to be something else. Dandy. Bears at Packers is late. Uh, is the only game on Christmas night. We already talked about that with Dan, that the uh, Packers need to win that. Uh, unless they'll already see the 49ers lose in Seattle, they'll, they'll, that would wrap up the one seed for them. And then Falcons and Saints. Well, I'm, a, I'm you know, night. and the Falcons and, you know, I, like the late great Jerry Orbach taught me at the end of Dirty Dancing. He yes. says to Swayze, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And I'm more than willing to do the same. Uh, I, I've considered the Falcons all season long a good but not great team. But if they go down to New Orleans and and even hang with the Saints right yep. now as well as they're playing, then I shall officially have to admit I was wrong about. <laughs> well, this and team. that would keep them alive in the South. Um, but yeah. I, I think they're still going to be the five seed going to the winner of the NFC East. They're going to go to either Dallas, New York, or uh, and I do still have to say it, Philadelphia. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. And then the Lions are going to go to either San Francisco or New Orleans to start the playoffs with the Packers and or the Saints or 49ers watching this whole play out. And Rich, I think that's a great field. I don't think there's anybody in the I, NFC that, that would be on the outside it's, looking Yeah, we're, in. we're not going to have, I you think know. those are the best teams that we've seen over the completely 15 agree. weeks right now. Yeah, and, and you know, for all the punchlines about the NFC West uh, over the last few years, that happens to be a good division with Seattle and now the Cardinals playing halfway decently. Right, and, you know, right. the Niners are a good team, so there's not going to be some NFC dog, you know, NFC West dog in the mix there. That's always the worst. You get excited for the playoffs, and then, you, oh, we got to watch Seattle. Uh, they're not good. Well, it would but, be the ultimate. Ultimate irony is that the seven and nine Seahawks make the playoffs and knock out the defending Super Bowl. That champs. couldn't happen. And then the 49ers, who have a stupendous season, and then put the NFC West back on the map as being a, a viable division in the conference, they go one and done. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be the ultimate irony is that they, oh gosh, how great was the West this year? And then boom, they're one and done. That the Very Lions true. go, that the Lions go out there. The Lions at 49ers in a in a playoff game, which could happen, which could happen. And we in the media would go ape because of the two coaches and the handshake and all of that stuff. There, so, uh, yeah, that that's, could actually that's, happen. We will go nuts. That's on the wish list. Over that. What about if we could get? I mean, we might see. Uh, we could have possibly see the Jets playing the Patriots again in the playoffs. We I might don't know see... about that. The Jets are going to have to win one in the playoffs for that to happen. Now, yeah, right. The prior to this week, the, up, prior yeah. to this week, the Jets sneak in as the six. The Patriots would have been the three, but the way everything just now. broke, I just I don't think the Patriots are going to be anything but the one seed. Yeah, that's which is what the Jets. Lose. But if the Jets do make it and then win their first playoff game, which could be either at Houston. Completely plausible at that that Baltimore, would happen. which is, I think it would be very difficult for them to go down there. We already saw what happened there this year. Um, that would be tough. Ugliest game of the year, right. arguably, between two teams, exactly. Ravens and Jets. I yeah. think that those are, the, those are going to be the two teams that they're going to have to face. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the Steelers are, you know, uh, I don't think the Steelers are going to win that division. I just don't. No, they're, they're, they're not going to the come back I think the Ravens are going to win out. I think everyone else is going to win out. I just feel that. But who knows? Who Rich, knows? I wanted to ask you something okay. quickly because Certainly. I know you're a uh, you're obviously a big uh, Michigan guy, yes. and I'm an Indiana University guy. Yes. But I, and you uh, on Saturday? Congratulations on being twelve and zero. By the I way, I know. Pretty. Oops. You know what? It's shocked me. That's the first time they've been eleven and zero since 1976. Is that really possible? Is that it so? All those uh, Calvert Cheney teams that they never were eleven. Michigan 0? also made the Final Four in '76, if I'm not mistaken. That's I think, right. I 
That's who they played, I believe, in the title game, 77-66, if I'm not mistaken, was the final to that one. Okay. Um, But let me ask you this, though, as a Michigan guy, why is it in in, in an age where we're so so lazy with our nicknames, you know, CJ2K, LT, we even take, there's already a Lawrence Taylor, and we take that and give it to someone else. All, All these lame nicknames out there. Why is America not embracing Shoelace Robinson? That's it's a, good, a great nickname. It is a great, it is a great nickname. I don't know. But I, I think it's just, in many ways, the quarterback position at Michigan has always been disrespected. Take a look at the Shoelace. greatest player, the, one of the greatest players of all time. Sixth round draft choice, 199th overall. Coming off of one of the greatest Orange Bowl performances ever. True. Maybe that's, I, mm. you know, I, I think that's what it is. And then and I think know, that's definitely just, ah, okay, Michigan quarterbacks... Fine. Let Shoelace do what he does in anonymity He's or relative anonymity or, you know. But also the name Denard is pretty good, too. It just, it's all flows. right, it but flows. it doesn't compare with Shoelace I know, Robinson. The guy, and the guy please. runs without a shoelace. And, and what about the fact that, you know, you mentioned, so Brady then mm-hmm. is a six-round draft pick, star of stars. The, your your uh, in-state rival, Michigan State, yeah. there's something mysterious going on there. They are incapable of producing a quality starting NFL quarterback. Consider mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is is destined to be a backup. Right. He'll, he'll uh, fall in line with Brian Hoyer, the backup. You've got Drew Stanton, Stanton. the backup. Mm-hmm. Tony Banks was a backup for the most part in his career. Jim right. Miller, backup. Mm-hmm. Earl right. Morrill even a backup largely in his career. So why is it then – that Spartan and Starton are so close together. It's a mystery, I isn't don't it? Know. Don't they need to become the Michigan State clipboards? The, I, you will have no argument from me. That if was you prepared care, material, you, everybody. Ladies Thank and you. gentlemen, did you work that? <laughs> did you workshop that with Kimmel? Did you workshop that? Did, did Kimmel help with that one? Maybe I ran it by uh, producer Chris Law. How long have you? How did you hook up with Kimmel? How did you hook up with him? Well. Um, as I think you know, you know, I, I moved out to Hollywood a decade uh, ago to pursue my love of dance. But uh, <laughs> after a couple, it's it's my passion. Yeah, it's one of, you know, and uh, sure, okay. And, but when uh, you know a couple of knee issues arose, I I fell back on uh, on on writing, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just. Uh, <laughs> I was actually no. I was I was with. Uh, I was one day. I was in a big hurry to mm-hmm. a big meeting, and I w- I didn't even have time for a proper lunch. And I was just eating a chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. And I was running. I was hurrying. Mm-hmm. And I wheeled around the corner. I ran into somebody who was eating a jar of peanut butter. And my chocolate went right into his peanut butter. It was Jimmy incredible. Kimmel. Isn't that incredible? And I was like, wow, this peanut butter really it's, helps the thing. It just it it's it just opens up a whole new door, doesn't it? <laughs> Did you ran into each other and created the? I had no idea that you guys created the Reese's peanut. That's butter what, that's how it went down. I had no idea. But uh, yeah. No, I just I just dumb luck is what it was. Watch right? football with him one day why, why, at his with, house with his cousin Sal uh-huh. and uh, and a sort. So you know of, Sal? Is that that was that, that was, was that was the, yes that was the okay. uh, the in there. I went over to watch football with uh, with Sal one day, right? And uh, we were in a, a basement kind of thing. I didn't know where we. I, I had mm-hmm. no idea where we were. And suddenly Jimmy Kimmel walks into the room. You know, at the time he's he's a couple of seasons into the Man Show, right? And Jimmy Kimmel is sitting there, and we kibitzed a bit and uh, cracked some wise. One and... of the coolest guys around. Oh, a delight! Yeah, no, like yeah. Re- a, a real wonderful, human wonderful being. guy. Yeah, yes. like a like a, a dude, a real cool guy who deserves all the success. And then that's... and then and then uh, the guy whose podcast, oh, who's visited you on this podcast, and who you've yapped with Corolla. This is true. Yeah. It's me. It's Sal. Yeah. It's Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, our uh, uh, another friend, Kevin Hench. 
great yeah. uh, writer. He and wrote for the ESPYs when I was part of the ESPYs. Wonderful Espies guy, Awards. another yeah. wonderful Good fella. Dude. He's um, podcasting too, right, with Spider Sally or was He or was, like and that. now, yeah, now he's uh, on the Tim Allen show. He's actually Is right, he really? yeah, he's, uh, one of the big no guys kidding. on the Tim Allen show, right? Yeah. That. So, okay. yeah, so he's doing well for himself. That's good. And uh, and then Adam Carolla walks into the room, mm-hmm. and he knows Sal. He knows Jimmy. Hey, hey, uh, hey Jimmy. Hey, uh, Sal. Mm-hmm. Looks me and Hench directly in the eyes and then sits down, does not greet us, mm-hmm. and for the next seven hours only addresses Jimmy and Sal and does not acknowledge our existence for the what? entire day. Yeah. The entire day. And I've since brought it up to him yeah. and said, what gives with that? He said, ah, it's, a, it's for your own good. You know, I, I don't want to get to know people if they're not worth knowing. So you, you passed my trial period and you, you made it but through. I didn't the, think he'd be one of those types. The probation that, that, of six months and now, always, we're, now we're better for it. I always, we? It drives me nuts, though, when you meet people. <laughs> okay, certainly famous people, right? You meet people who are famous and they sit down and you, they're with your buddies or other people. And they're only addressing you, and there's two or three other people. It's awkward. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't peg Corolla for that. No, but it, he did it, that. He's a, this is his. This is his it's thing. His thing? It, okay. Yeah, he doesn't have. You know, he doesn't have the time or the inclination to get to know everybody. So no, he I understand. Put you on probation. But he can. He, he, he put you on pro- double. It wasn't so secret either. No, and no. Okay. Yeah, he's he's not he's not bashful about right. letting you know what's going on. So and now you are writing for Kimmel still. I mean, writing on you, Kimmel and uh, yeah on and, his uh, late night show. Yes, that must be a blast, right? Oh, a delight! Yes, seriously. Of yeah, I, I mean, mean he's, yeah, no, it is. It's a, it's a wonderful, uh, yeah, wonderful so collection all, of people. So all of that and, stuff that that this week in in um, unnecessary censorship. unnecessary censorship. Are you? That's part of your you're part of that crew to come up with that sort of yes, stuff. Yes, but I I think you know to do some more name dropping. A Please. former writer on the show, the sports guy, Sporty Simmons, yeah. is uh, claims that he came up with that. It's a that's a that's a murky one, right? In the world of Kimmelot, right? Who came up Kimmelot. with uh, who came up with unnecessary censorship? Right. Sporty. Simmons says Sporty it was him. Simmons. Yeah. What he's become too. He is blown up. I'm not sure. What, what did he go on I to? Know. I don't know what became of him. Never heard from him after he left the Kimmel show. I know. He is absolutely blown up. It's amazing. I love what he's done in everybody, you know, over the last decade has right. done their best to mimic his style, his pop mm-hmm. culture references and right. so on. And it feels to me like he's just completely uh, you know, reversed field now and has gone old school. And not just because it's called Grantland with a tip of the hat to the old school writers. Of course. I love that he's now the all everybody in there is long form, you know, sort of yeah. classy sort of, uh, I mean, the ad campaign is maybe. Well, goes just far, again, but. for him to create his own brand within ESPN is a virtual impossibility. It's over, right. the, over the 30 years of, of the worldwide leader in sports is one brand pretty much. And for him to create his own within it, and still be Got welcome juice. within the building. Yeah, it's, now he's it's talking, impressive. It is, and now he's talking NBA ball. And well, I heard, I heard though that he's not part of that though. They're, you know that he's not part. Like they wanted him to be part of the new pregame show, but he's not. Yeah, I, yeah. It, well, listen, he he, he writes his no. own ticket. He, it's amazing how what what he can <laughs> he said do. He's but still allowed in the building. Aren't we lucky though yeah. to be living in Los Angeles, the yeah. epicenter of? You know, I'm somebody who said, no, you know, they we, should move the NBA show out here. Well, well, why be, wouldn't they? This sure. is this is the capital of the National Basketball Association. Now, yeah, it's all. I mean, uh, what, what aren't we in store? I'm somebody who you know all all fall when Derek Fisher and David Stern would release their statements. We're we're, we're serious. We're mm-hmm. really going to cancel the season. Right. Yeah, guess right. what? You're not right. the NFL. Nobody right. cares. Mm-hmm. Check back in in Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and then maybe I'll have some concern. Till then. You don't need to update me all the time. But that being said, how fascinating have the, have the stars aligned now for a, for a dynamite? I, I mean, a full-on yeah. takeover of the Staples Center. Yeah. Goodbye, Kobe. Yeah, Hello, Chris Paul. 
I know. I'll, I'll stop, be able to start paying attention to that after the combine, I guess, just when it's worth paying attention to. Indianapolis twice in six weeks. Good for you. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a uh, I'm gonna get a a, a pied de terre, my own little pied de terre, <laughs> <laughs> just above Moe's Steakhouse there in uh, in Indy. Uh, so basically, you split your time between Kimmel and and us then. Yes, two uh, yeah, more or less two full time gigs. Can I say one more thing? Please say one more thing because uh, Chris Law wants us to wrap it up. I he guess. does. Chris, who's Chris I don't Law? Know. Think it's he's probably more people. We got to wrap. It I want to say happy holidays to everybody. Yes, but one other thing that mm. I, I I heard uh, honestly heard on my way in. Do you know that this is to the week the fifteen? I think it is the fifteen year anniversary of the release of Titanic. And I did not know that. I wanted to bring that up because it outrages me each and every year. I'm reminded of this mm. when it comes up. You know, I don't get this story. This fe- this beloved picture mm-hmm. is about the woman. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio teaches her about living a full life, and yes. sure enough, she does. She rides horses and makes babies and everything. Oh else. yeah, I mean, he, he he drew her in charcoal, and that's right. And yeah. then that launched her to uh, to a, a full life. But every year, I feel mm-hmm. like we people hail this picture and re- are reminded of its greatness. Mm-hmm. But why does this old lady? She tells the tale to to the uh, uh, basically a group of strangers, mm. and then she feels like, well, that's the end of my life story. Takes that jewel and throws it into the sea yeah. instead of giving it to her great granddaughter, who's pushing her, you know, the bag of bones around and doing everything else. This is this is really this. It is makes really me you. angry that this lady gets that, that she's isn't she wonderful? What? Yeah, you couldn't throw the you. Yeah. Th- this your girl, you know you you, you know when set you're riding horses, self set for life. Yeah, you're out riding horses and making babies. This great granddaughter of yours has no life. She has right. no quality of life because she's pushing you around in the wheelchair all the time. I think you've just come up with um, Titanic two. <laughs> what happens the, the, to her? The, the, the just basically the great granddaughter lives in poverty. <laughs> Uh, spends her entire life the trying ugly to get, scrape the life savings to try and dragoon whatever <laughs> sea there is to find this jewel. Yes. And then she gets it and buys herself a new ocean liner and starts running around. Wow. Off. What about that? Full That's circle. a feel-good yes. Christmas hit. And it's also uh, takes place a lot underwater and on uh, on on some faraway planet. So you, yeah, so you Maybe can get combi- Costner? You can combine all of the um, Cameron oeuvre, <laughs> right? I like where From, your head's you, at. The, you got a little bit of Avatar, uh, Titanic, and what was the underwater one that he did? It was the whole underwater one with uh, Mary Elizabeth. Uh, that was a great Antonio. picture. Yeah, the, uh, with Ed, Ed Harris. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the Abyss. The Abyss. Yes, the Abyss. The Abyss. The so weird... that's the whole thing. So it's the a little bit of the Abyss. Weird thing in the Abyss is. Avatar. Remember when Master Antonio she she loses consciousness for like six yes. minutes. And then, uh, you know, he brings okay. her back. Don't you die on me. A lot yeah, of that. Yeah, and that yeah, happens yeah. on a lot of movies. The don't you die. On, don't I you know. quit on me. And the it's... chest. But he's gone. He's gone. But then they. No, I'm doubling back and giving it one more shot. You know, spit out the water. Yeah. The Just once. I'd like for one of those movies to be the person is severely brain damaged and no longer. What like... is the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> it would be. A... Here's what uh... I'm going to do for you for your for your own benefit. Uh, is cut this is short because apparently you have a guest for your own podcast who's I waiting so. for you. All right, so be it's it. good to see you. The a Dave Damashek football program can be downloaded on iTunes, NFL.com slash podcasts. Again, we're this one I uh, planted the flag. Then a few months later, you created the ability for people to get a whole different 
I guess scope of things. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like when Nirvana and Pearl Jam broke. Then there were a bunch of knockoffs. <laughs> okay, so the, 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 with each passing generation, whatever. the quality dipped. Okay. Please let us know if we're embarrassing the, the shame the blaze the the trail you blaze. Okay, for us. the shame report on on Saturday, and uh, good to have you on here. A pleasure. Th- Dave, thank you very much for having Dave me. Dave Damashek on the Rich Eisen podcast. I'm going insider crazy now. I'm going absolutely insider crazy. I've got Jason Locke and Four here in studio. Good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me. And joining me from NFL Films is Michael Lombardi. How are you, sir? I am very well. Thank you, Rich. Hello, Jason. What's up, Mike? See, now, I, I love the uh, the Walsh picture behind you there, Lombo. Yeah, I mean, of, of it, all, I mean, it's it's sort of like the way I'm doing Total Access for all those years, just having Walter Payton behind me. I don't know if you get that same feeling, pretty much. I feel very comfortable considering that, uh, you know, mostly every day I think about the man, and so I made sure that his pitcher was here, and we're at least reminded of all the great things he did. Excellent. Let's, what, what, what's going on in front offices right now, Michael Lombardi? Are, are most front offices already gearing up for the combine and for the, the, the talent evaluation portion of our schedule? Yeah, most most everyone now is preparing for free agency. We know what free agency is going to be. And then the college departments are preparing for the ball game, the all-star games, and setting their um, board tentatively in terms of moving forward. A lot of teams will bring their scouts in this time of the year, have meetings, read the reports, get the board kind of outlined. So you have college scouting in place, and then you have your free agent board in terms of what's going to happen once we uh, declare free agency in March. So mm-hmm. two boards are operating right now. And what about uh, the coaching front, Jason? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are we what are you hearing? I want to there's you guys a board to sort there of compare well. notes. What what are you hearing right now? Well, we've got three openings. Obviously, that will at least double. I suspect and maybe on the high end, eight potential openings. Eight. Oh, I mean, I think if, if, if sometimes these things get a little contagious. So give me give me the doubling, St. Louis. Yeah. You do think Spagnuolo's two and done in St. Louis? I believe so. And Devaney, too, goes as well? It's a strong possibility. So Kroenke totally cleans house in St. Well, Louis? Well, I don't know about totally cleans house. I mean, Kevin Demoff, some other front office people there um, who kind of oversee the business side as well as have some role in football operations. I, I think there'll be some people who stay. And I don't know that it's a fait accompli that everyone is blown out of that building. Um, but, yeah, I, I see major changes coming. There. Do you agree with that, Michael Lombardi? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, with Steve struggled so far this season, you know, in terms of the injuries and everything, I think it's going to be difficult to come back for another season. And I love that. That is, your, that is your godfather ringtone going off right now, correct? Yeah, I don't know. My phone's not even near me. I don't know how that sounds off. So. No, 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 no. It's great. I just love that you've got the godfather <laughs> as your ringtone. It's fantastic. So you guys agree St. Louis is, yes. is done. Uh, yeah. What else? Give me another one. Well, um, we'll see what happens in San Diego, obviously. I mean, that... That's a scenario where if they run the table, I don't know how they make the play. I mean, I I, I just don't I just don't see how they've got to leap two teams at this point. In well, time. they've, they've they got options the Raiders, in the division, but... and they could also have wild card options depending if all these teams keep losing. Right, you know, we have another weekend like last weekend. That's where you've true. Got the Jets and You're multiple right. wild card teams going down. So let's just assume they they don't make it. They don't make it, then I think there'll be changes. But Mike, it'll be interesting because if they get it cranking offensively down the stretch, and Philip Rivers certainly is. Maybe they just go the GM side and not the coach. Because remember, you say what you want about Norv as a head coach and yada, yada, yada. He's pretty good with Phillip Rivers. That offense is pretty good under him. You're not going to find a better offensive play caller. So you're losing your quarterback guru, your play caller, and your head coach where maybe the issues are personnel. 
Yeah, I, I think that certainly could play out, especially now that Norris had his full team. Malcolm Floyd's back, which is key. Antonio Gates actually looks like the Antonio Gates of old. So you can see that. And, and you know, whether they make the playoffs, I don't know. It's going to be, you know, you have to defeat that Tebow time, and that might be difficult. But uh, I do think there'll be some changes in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, if the Broncos win in Buffalo, which people expect they will, that would be it. And yeah. division. For San Diego. Right, but if, if well, Cincinnati still has to play Baltimore, so that could be one loss there. Uh, the Jets. The Jets and Giants, that's a coin flip game. Right. Uh, so, you know, 9-7 and seven maybe gets them in. That's true. Nine, well, I think 9-7 and seven is going to be good enough for some wild card right. team. The question is, Tiebreakers is, what is which one. So uh, where else? Where else is there a coaching vacancy that you think? Well, I think you got to look at Tampa and what's going on there. And ultimately, maybe it's two new coordinators and a bunch of staff changes and and, and some restructuring. Yeah, but, but what do they do with Raheem Morris? Because you, you just let him stick around one more. You'd still have to do something with his contract, don't you? No? Michael? I, I think that's a that's a tough situation. It's easy on paper to say we'll bring in two new coordinators, but the reality is the coordinators' quality that you're going to get are concerned about the head coach getting fired the next season. So nobody really wants to move in a lame duck status. And I think, really, if you look at Tampa as a whole entity, starting going back to the New England preseason game where they really didn't even show up for that, I think there's a strong case to be made that Tampa's really – Underachiever hasn't even come close to achieving. I mean, the team laid down last night, last Saturday. They haven't really competed. Uh, Green Bay was probably the last game they actually really truly competed in. So I, I think if you're just observing that as a general manager or the front office executive, there has to be changes, significant changes made because the players aren't listening right now. Well, and, and what also is going to be interesting there is if you go a different route, like you're selling young and hungry now. So the up-and-coming coordinator route, you have that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's not working. And we know in the past the Glazers, they thought they had Bill Parcells as one at one point. Then they kind of got left at the altar, then became the trade for John Gruden and all of that. So they've got – this is a business decision there too. I mean they've got to re-energize that fan base. And if you're going to make the move, you have to sell something completely different, which is this is our leader, this guy has rings, or this guy has playoff wins, and we're going in a different direction, which would then propel them into trying to lure one of these A-list guys down there which could be a tricky proposition. Michael, give me you know, a name. Re- you know, go ahead, please. Labor piece really has brought a different perspective to these coaching changes because the owners now in their last meeting, they know what their TV revenues are going to be for pretty much the next six to seven years. They, they have got staggering numbers in front of them, so they have their profits that they can see. They have labor piece for 10 years. So you can pretty much look at your, your balance sheet and know what you can afford to do, and if you can afford to make the changes pretty easily, then that's what I think most owners will do if it's close to making a decision. I think ultimately money dictates this, but now there's so much money in play at the start of this collective bargaining agreement. I think there will be significant changes. And is it, do you think that that means that the – coaches with the Super Bowl resumes are back on the front burner as opposed to the last couple of years? You know, I think if they want to come back, they'll come back. I think the prices are going to come down. I don't think they're going to be able to demand the, the numbers. I think you're seeing that really dwindle down as been what the owners have wanted to do. And typically, uh, I think if they want to come back, they're going to have to come back at a number that's comfortable for the team and comfortable for the uh, for, for the coach. Remember, next year, Rich, the cap's not going to go up at all. So, you know, I, I think when these coaching salaries come in, I think the owners are going to want to be respective to the salary not go, the cap not going up either. Well, you could also look and you look at Washington, $7 million a year for Mike Shanahan, not a lot of bang for your buck. The Cleveland Browns and what they've done with Holmgren now orchestrating things at a very high price, they're, they're getting there defensively, but obviously that team has a ways to go 
offensively. So, yeah, I agree with Mike there that, that I don't know that you're going to be seeing guys pushing that seven, eight million dollar stratosphere even for a Cower and a Jeff Fisher. And ultimately, it, it, often it's about control in so much as it's about money as well. And can I bring my people with me? And am I comfortable with the current front office setup? Or do more changes need to be made? How much say would I have in personnel? Who gets the tiebreaker if we're, you know, down to the wire on a certain trade or a certain free agent acquisition or, or at the draft table. So, I mean, that, that's going to play a big role mm-hmm. in it. You know, and then we'll have to see. I mean, Indianapolis, I think there's going to be movement there. I, I, I How just, much movement? Polian movement? No, I don't see that. I, I would be really surprised. I mean, especially if, if you saw what, that, what Bill Polian did with Peyton Manning and now you have Andrew Luck likely falling into their lap and Chris Polian learning from his dad and they saw what – you, what it means to have a franchise quarterback and to have another one there in a seamless transition. I, I, I don't see the front office changing there, but certainly the coaching staff. Uh, yeah, and the NFC East is a wild card. I mean, you talk to GMs and, and agents for, for coaches throughout the year, and there's going to be one change there at least. No one could pinpoint it, and it, from week to week you could see this guy's hot, this guy's cold, this guy's in trouble, this guy's not. But maybe there's multiple changes in that division. Every year something comes out of the blue, whether it was Shanahan four weeks after the season – being out in Denver a few years back or what have you, there's always one that comes out of the blue, and it could be in that division. And, and Tom Coughlin might decide, well, no matter how it goes down there, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move on with another stage in my life. And obviously we'll see what happens with Dallas. And uh, I don't know, Mike. I, I just think something's going to happen in that division. Yeah, I, I agree. I think New York certainly, if, if Tom doesn't make the playoffs, if they don't beat the Jets this week and really show something down the stretch, I think the, the Mara family along with the Tisch family almost forced to have to make a decision that they really don't want to make. I mean, they genuinely like Tom Coughlin in that building. Hmm. He works hard. He's going to be hard to replace, but I think the last two seasons may force their hands. Interesting stuff. Now, let me ask you this, because you, Mike, uh, talked about the TV dollars that they're flowing in, and the TV numbers are through the roof. Let's be honest. We're knocking on wood about that. Uh, But then I take a look at the stats, and I see the numbers uh, and how there are uh, multiple quarterbacks that are going to shatter Dan Marino's record this year, and that there are more 300-yard passers already through the first 14 games than there have been in any regular season ever more 400-yard passing games than we've ever seen in a regular season ever. Is there any hand-wringing over this in the front office of the NFL? Is there any idea that you're getting a sense that maybe somebody is going to pump the brakes on the competition committee on what we're seeing out on a field? No, I think it's going to be air on the other side. I think offensive football is what sells, and it's very, very clear that the fans like it. They enjoy a high-scoring game, an offense especially that can throw the football. And I think we're going to see more of what Tebow does in Denver. I think you're going to see more of that quarterback Cam Newton style of offense. I think the game has gotten broadened. It's still going to be a passing game. And I think what's become the dinosaurs and where the money's not going to go anymore, Adrian Peterson got his huge deal, and he's certainly uh, well-deserving. But I think the running back market is going to continually shrink year in and year out. Remember, last year in the offseason, Amma Bradshaw struggled to get his deal. He's one of the better running backs in the league. I think the running back market probably more than anything takes a hit in this new way of football, the way the rules are set up. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Chicks dig the deep ball. Right? Yeah, I mean, right. It's exciting football. It sells. It's attractive. A, a non-hardcore football fan can get into yeah, a marathon a, shootout. There is a lot of old school people out there who who are seeing the NFL's these... already got them. They, no, I, I may, well, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, Dennis Miller, who's a frequent guest on this show, says that there are some plays where he just turns the television off. And those, those are the 15-yard yeah. flags 
for for contact that go bang bang where the refs are airing on the side of caution and more and more flags are being thrown for instinctive football or at least what we have taken as instinctive football and there are some people that you know that do enjoy what we saw on Monday night. We do enjoy the six to three, the test of wills yeah. in the and trenches. You, still, you, still you know, get, and you and you so, I'm not saying we don't get that at all anymore. Yeah, but I mean, if we if what you guys are saying is that it's going to go in the other direction, that well, may more, more rules and, might and be Rich, put. You know, the go, practice rules, the practice rules, let you go in this direction yeah. too. There's not going to be physical contact, and I think this we've really given the officials an out because by the saying "err on the side of caution," they never can make a bad call. Now, well, we thought you know he hit the guy, and I think that really becomes a concern because. You know, air on the side of caution gives them an out. Just like one time when we had instant replay, it gave them kind of an out. They didn't make a call. Guys used to just stand there frozen, figuring the replay booth was going to get it. And I think ultimately this is what happens. And you see different officiating with different crews. I mean, you could see a roughing call by one crew and a non-roughing call by the other crew. And I think that's where we have to clean up the game and become better so that Dennis Miller doesn't turn his head on a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> but, but to follow Mike's money ball point, if running backs are devalued and they continue to, to be and they go down, but we've, we're seeing Larry Fitzgerald push wide receiver salaries into the stratosphere mm-hmm. and wait till Jimmy Graham gets you know up there towards free agency and what he does for tight ends and you see more young and young dynamic tight Gronkowski. ends like what's going on in New England right. and even Baltimore you know if, if you know you look at, at Pitta uh, and Dixon if those guys continue to develop you're gonna if you start paying your quarterbacks so much more than your running backs your tight ends now so much more than your running backs your wide receivers so much more than your running backs then that's who you're going to want to protect and that's who you're going to want to see flourish and I think all that goes hand in hand when you start talking general managers and competition committee well we're paying these guys all this money and they're bringing people in the stands so that kind of football is good so you're 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 saying there's no chance of say uh, of maybe uh, expanding the zone where contact could be made by a defensive back, that making it seven yards in the line of scrimmage or eight yards. In the, there's no chance of anything like that happening where you can tilt the balance a little bit because I understand that chicks, you know, love the deep ball yeah. and and how everybody uh, believes that there's a, a, a benefit towards higher octane offenses. It is exciting. I mean, the way these guys throw the ball and it is very fascinating to watch. But sometimes you're just like, yeah, okay, I, I don't mind the, the running between the tackles yeah. for five yards here and there. And, and I don't mind if maybe somebody could get their hands on the wide receivers. You're saying, Michael, there's no chance of something like that happening? I, I don't think so, Rich. I think it's going to continually go in this direction. I think what, what you're going to find defensive coordinators do is really spend more time in the red zone, spend more time trying to handle situational football because the, the day of the dominant defense, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, I think might be a thing of the past. I think it's very difficult to be physical. Let's take that Jacksonville-Baltimore game on Monday night. Had the crew not been the crew there and Baltimore would have had a – had a different crew. The results could have been a lot of it because there was a lot of contact on those receivers that night, and they got away with it, and Jacksonville won the game because of it. And had it been another crew, it could have been a whole different story. So I think it's very difficult to really predict – you know, I mean, right now what you're seeing, this is concerning, third and 20, and you're seeing what happened last night in Pittsburgh, a legal contact yeah. down the field, and right. you get a first down. Yeah, yeah it was you first know, and, and so, 20, then first and 25, and then and then Roethlisberger's sacked, but there's contact down the yeah. field first and 10. So, so now every defense coordinator is saying, don't touch the receivers on third and long, and that opens up a potential for a disaster down the field. Huh. What about um, – I love going macro with you guys here because you guys have your ear to the ground and you're hearing what people are saying – 
What about um, this instant replay of all scoring plays are automatic? Is that is that something that everybody loves? Because I could see how how uh, there are some people who think it slows the game down, that it bails some coaches out, that they've already used their challenges, but they get it automatically, that if somebody's taken down at the one-yard line, the other coach who's just lost the football in the play has to use a challenge, but if the guy scores, they don't have to. It just seems that this seems to be a little bit too arbitrary in many cases. Do you see that this actually stays well, there'll be a thorough review at the spring meeting, competition committee. They'll have all the stats. They'll break down exactly to the second how much longer games are, what the average right. replay delay was on a scoring play. But you mentioned the point, bail the coaches out. And I think this was sort of throwing them a bone a little bit because we remember, and we haven't seen this actually play out in real time in a game that matters, but the whole overtime replay change and all that and how the coaches felt like they were bamboozled and we went out to golf and then they voted this thing in. <laughs> so I, I do think that, that there's a little bit of, in this that – the element of this one's taken out of their hands. But it, it also uh, cost a team a game this year, in my estimation, the, uh, the, the New England-Buffalo yes. game, where Fred Jackson runs it into the end zone. But, oh, wait a minute, because it's all reviewable because he scored. They review it. They see that he's down at the half-yard line, which means now Buffalo could essentially force New England to use all of its timeouts yes. left and kick a field goal with no time left, which is what Buffalo did. And I'm sure, uh, Michael, that um, Belichick would have not challenged <laughs> not that. He that would have flag. thrown his MVP no. quarterback with two timeouts back on the field to go tie it and maybe win this thing in overtime. So, No, no question. So yeah, I, I don't I, know if Belichick's going to raise his hand at the league meeting in March and say, hey, wait a minute, we should change this thing. Yeah, and you never know what the call on. Like, like, let's take stay with New England. I mean, look, Wes Walker catches a ball, and it looks like a touchdown. The defender doesn't touch him. It's ruled at first uh, at the one yard or at the one inch line. Then it's ruled a touchdown, which right. then brings it into a challenge. I mean, it's there. There's no consistency in this rules either. I mean, it's very difficult. So I, there'll be some play, but I think there'll be an overwhelming factor that look, we've got more calls right than we've gotten wrong, and it's really helped the game, and it's given the coaches an opportunity to know what a score is and and move forward. Well, I just feel I, that I if, think it stay. I, well, I, I just feel that if you're willing to stop the game in those instances, two or three, you should be able to stop the game to see if somebody really did connect helmet to helmet. You've thrown a 15-yard flag, and you've done it on the side of caution, and you think you're doing the right thing, but the helmet really hit the shoulder pad, or the shoulder pad really hit this, and a 15-yard penalty changes field position. It changes momentum. It is so massive that you should not allow a flag to be a challenge flag to be thrown on whether there was helmet-to-helmet contact. But a coach should be able to throw a challenge flag and say, you said it was helmet-to-helmet, let's go look under the hood and really make yeah. sure about that. I think that's what they – they should definitely do something like that. And that very well could be a, a, a conversation that's had. Now Now you start – now you do start saying, well, how – because there's so many well, that's bang, what Rich bang, McKay told me how, when how I brought long, that up. How long are we willing to delay games now? Rich McKay said that they just can't do that sort of stuff. Because then it just then it's a slippery pass slope. interference and this and that. Now and you're everything. at four-hour games. Let me just ask you real quick about the two divisions that are flat out up for grabs, the NFC East and the AFC West, and whether you think uh, the teams currently in the league will be able to pull it out. Let's start with the NFC East. Jerry Jones saying on Tuesday on the radio about the Eagles still being alive and they're playing the Eagles this week, quote-unquote, because it's the Eagles and after the butt-kicking they gave us in Philadelphia, I'm scared it's that kind of feeling. 
What do you think of that, <laughs> Michael Lombardi? Well, I, I think he should be scared. I mean, the Eagles are, are in the position that the Packers almost were in last year. They're, they're just they're going into this thing. They need a couple breaks. The Packers, I mean, if Detroit loses to, to Tampa Bay last year, the Packers don't even get in the playoffs. And so the Eagles are kind of have this burden of dream team lifted off their shoulders. And now Michael Vick's playing better than he's played in a while, this game particularly. They're a dangerous component. But I think the one thing Jerry has going for him is the way they played him in Philadelphia. Rob Ryan tried to play a lot of base defenses. Keith Brookings was on the field. Brady James was on the field. I think there'll be a nickel game. It'll be a different style of game. And this will be a more physical game. If he's allowed to read, to jam these receivers, which some crews will let you do, then I think he can slow them down a little bit. And then his offense has got to control the football, which the Jets didn't do. The Jets turned the ball over against Philly. Mm-hmm. Most teams that beat Philly, you got to control their defense, which New England did. Well, I know this. Mike Vick's two best games this season by far are against the Ryan brothers. So I don't know how much, you know, intel is going to go back and forth between them. He's got a 120 quarterback rating in his two games against the Ryan defenses this year, completing about 75% of his passes, averaging 275 yards a game, uh, three touchdowns, one one interception. And Deshaun Jackson, is, to me, is, is back a little bit now. I, he realizes he's got a very short window here to, to salvage something of this season mm. and take into free agency or whether he's franchised. You saw how much Andy Reid is getting him in motion. They seem to be making more effort to get him in certain matchups. I think the Eagles are going to be a tough out, and, and I think someone other than Dallas is going to win that division. I, I, I don't know that I can guarantee which one of those other two teams it is, but... Wow. Well, I mean, F- F- Philly's sitting here, and if they just would have done anything, whether it's Buffalo, San Arizona. Francisco. Someone, the San, yeah, the Arizona. San Francisco, Ronnie Brown called. Jeez, you know, I mean, they're, they're sitting here. They should really be in control of this because they, they clearly could be. But I think you made a good point that the dream team stuff is off their backs. Yes. Right? And that, and that, yeah. that, that moniker and, or, or the pressure – that it brought them, they couldn't handle. They're now loosey goosey. Right. They went from the team that carried house that anchor money. on their shoulders their to house, like, hey, their, whatever their, we do here is gravy. They're playing with literally how they fit the figurative house money, which I guess you can't be literal and figurative. So, who do you think wins it, though, Michael? Who do you think wins it? You know, I, I still think Dallas. I think when you get embarrassed like Philly did, I think Dallas has got to reach down. I think this is really going to be Jason Garrett's shining moment. He has to win this game with his game plan offensively against Juan Castile's defense, which has been suspect all season. He's got to control the football. The best defense against him is to keep it away from him. I think Romo's played really well. I think that Dallas can do some things against this defense to keep them offense off the field. So a home game. You know, you have to have it. I'm going to go with Dallas here. But Dallas and New York Giants are the most two confusing teams I, I've scouted been. all season. I can't get them right any week at any time. And, uh, you know, Philly possesses a lot of challenges, especially to a team that lacks secondary help, which Dallas does. I like Philly on the road. You look at on the last two years, that whole loosey-goosey thing. Again, getting well, out of that cauldron, they're a different team I'll on tell the you, road. Philly wins this game. Um, and, and, you know, as, as Andy Reid said, he becomes a big Jet fan because, <laughs> uh, you know, the Giants could uh, get that eighth win, and uh, we'll see. I mean, that's that's so wide open. If, but if the Eagles win, I, I think they're going to take it. If the Eagles win this week, I just have a feeling they're going to s- just take it because they're playing such great ball. And of all the teams that Andy Reid would take to the playoffs, this one would be truly remarkable. What about the AFC West? How do you see that going down? Does Tebow just put it out of reach? for think, most you know, of the division this week? 
Watching Buffalo just today, watching Buffalo play Miami on tape, Buffalo's run defense was really porous last week. I, I think I think if weather's bad, which will favor Denver actually, Rich, mm -hmm. uh, if like it was last week, windy, cold. Buffalo's defense offense is really stagnant right now. They they don't have any uh, explosive plays in it because people have figured them out. I think Denver can go in there and run the football effectively, and, and it really doesn't have to be a passing game to win this game. I think their running game can, and I think they're competitive enough to bounce back. I think that they feel like, just listen to their comments after the New England game, they gave New England a good game. That's what they were hoping to do. I don't think anybody thought they were going to beat New England in their locker room. They were hoping to not get embarrassed and give them a good game. Well, and, what, and to your point, they're willing to win ugly. I mean, John Fox is not in this for style points. He never has been. I mean, right. he'll get as conservative as he has to be to win that game, to do whatever it takes to win that game. And Buffalo's offensive line, they lack talent to begin with, and then they've been just butchered by injuries. And right. you've got these two guys coming off the edge now. We saw what Doomerville did to Brady on that hit. Uh, I, I, like, I like Denver here. And, and you know, they've done they're, – they're almost there. I mean, they don't have to do that much more to secure this thing. So, and Orton yeah. – and, and interesting enough, Orton could help them clinch it. Because yeah. if they win in Buffalo and Orton wins against the Oakland Raiders, then – uh, then it's Buffalo. Then it's Denver's division, and they get the right. home game. I, I, and I, I, and, I, I, and interesting I, enough, Michael, is if if they lose in Buffalo and Orton beats Oakland, <laughs> that means it is wow. possible that Kyle Orton returns Could to the Rocky Mountains. Week seventeen, yeah, one and four. And do you think at that point, then general managers across the country would say we're not being good guys to our guys who want to be released anymore? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, yeah. I, I would have. I mean, look, Al Davis would have never done it. He, you know, yeah. he had a rule. In, we had no seriously. We had a rule in Oakland that if we were going to make a trade, we were never going to trade the guy to the division in the in the division to to San Diego, Kansas City, or Denver. Nor are we going to trade him to any of our opponents. So we looked at the schedule, and if we were playing the AFC uh, North, we weren't trading them to those teams. But so they just released them because they were, yeah, I know yeah. they just released him because it, it made, you know, I mean, and, and they couldn't guarantee and, where he was going right. to go at that point. In time. Right, and 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 I'll say this, Rich, I think Kansas City is going to win out. I think Kansas City right now, you know, just that feeling on lifting themselves up with Kyle Wharton's play on on Sunday. They got the Raiders coming. The Raiders on a three game losing streak. Uh, Kansas City believes in themselves. I think they have a lifting, and, and they're a little bit like Denver. They've kind of finished it late. I think they're going to be a tough, tough game for the Raiders. Another weird personnel, whatever, incestuous deal there is how about Kansas City gives up on Jared Gaither. Jared Gaither gets signed by the Chargers in desperate straits. Right. If they don't have Jared Gaither, we're not talking about San Diego being mathematically That's true. alive. That's that, that offensive line was a complete abomination until uh -huh. they got him in there and at least settled down the tackle positions. So that's just another weird one. But it's you funny guys, how that stuff works. you guys essentially believe Denver's going to win in Buffalo, which would eliminate Kansas City. Kansas City could then eliminate Oakland, and then that would be the end of that. And it would yeah. be only Can it would only San Diego's only path would be to try and catch the Jets. Right. That's, Who you beat guys them head to that. head? Right, in a game that the Chargers kind of gave away. In one of the few yeah. tie breaks the Jets actually have within their own conference. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, other than it, whatever common games opponents that has them above Cincinnati. Yeah, right I don't now. have my abacus out for that. That's one, basically but, yeah. the, the way that's the, working. The Jets, Rich, the Jets just aren't playing good football right now. They haven't, even though on a three-game winning streak, they have struggled. Uh, I mean, Kansas City game was an, you know, look that Tyler Palco. I don't know if you count those, but uh, other than the other two, they struggled. Uh, they're not playing as well as Rex says they're playing. And I think this Giant team is is really going to be desperate. I don't know who has the home field advantage there because it's a very quiet place to begin with. Mm -hmm. And lastly, um, John. John Elway said on the radio this week in his latest discussion of Tim Tebow, uh, <laughs> quote, unquote, quote unquote, Tim Tebow's not going anywhere. I mean, he's going to be a Bronco and we're going to do everything we can. And hopefully he's that guy. 
I, I, John Elway is, is full disclosure at all times. I, I, I've never seen a, an executive more happy to announce everything on a weekly <laughs> show than he is. I'm sure we'll have cameras in there for the draft. Or maybe we'll even get a camera in there for his free agent plan. Look, he's got no choice. <laughs> yeah. He has no choice, Rich. He's got to bring Tebow back. I mean, Tebow's done something for his franchise that really no, that Kyle Wharton wasn't going to do right. nor Brady Pr- Quinn could have done. I mean, that offensive line got better because of Tebow because they run block. Willis McGahee got better. The, the running game got better. And now, now their defense has gotten better. So, uh, you know, it, it, everything happens, you know, in terms of what quarterback are you playing. They played two quarterbacks that gave them trouble, Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady. Now they move on. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and, and, and what people forget about Tebow, too, is this is his first offseason. I mean, the first year he's drafted, he's the number three. You know, he's Josh McDaniel's project. There was no offseason this past year. He couldn't have really won that job if he tried. There's no OTAs. You're not allowed to. You're not even allowed to sit in a classroom with the kid mm-hmm. and teach him your offense, much less speed up the delivery, work on the footwork. So he's got John. John Elway knows a little something about quarterbacking, and they'll never be the same kind of right. quarterback. But with some tutorial time in the offseason, you expect improvement. That Monday night game, man, had the Steelers. You just brought up to me when you mentioned how Stafford gave problems to Denver. Uh, Michael had had uh, Roethlisberger pulled that thing out, right? And you know, the, I, I, that, I mean, that, that was a funny game. After the first series watching it, Rich, I just thought to myself, they, they need to go to Dennis Dixon. They need to go to somebody who can move so a little too. bit. I think so, too. I think so, too, because that's not Roethlisberger's game. I just no. think that they no, should rest I, him and, and get ready for week week 18. You know what I mean? I mean, Because they know they're playing in it. But, but the problem there is— The game is, was too fast for him. You know, and, but I mean, the game would wouldn't it be too fast with Doomerville and 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 uh, Von Miller because yeah. that's where he's going to have to go at this point. In right, time. And, and this angle is not going to get better. Right. I, I I'd be shocked if he play if he plays this week against St. Louis. Then they're they're really I think they should rest him this week. It's a short week, uh, a really short week, Monday to Saturday. Right. Uh, so uh, you know, I think he's got to rest this week, and they should be they can beat St. Louis with Dennis Dixon at quarterback, <laughs> really just handing the ball off. That'll be the key, gotta, though. That'll be the key because Bruce, Bruce Arians is a Charlie Batch guy, and he wants the veteran. There's other people in that organization outside of the offensive coordinator who feel like Dennis Dixon by far gives them a better mm-hmm. chance to win. But that's been Arians' call to this point, and Tomlin's left that up to him. So Batch would be the guy. Now, would he get through the first quarter against a team that can rush the passer? Yeah. Probably not. So it's going to be Dennis not. Dixon eventually. But that's an interesting dynamic there in that organization. And had he pulled that we, yeah, Go ahead, Michael. We all agree that I don't think Roethlisberger should play this week. I, I don't agree. think he should. No, no I mean, I all that he, travel in a short week, no. Yeah, no, no. And had he pulled it out, um, and then the Niners would have lost and been uh, still, you know, they still have a better conference record than the Saints. But I'm part of me is, listen, the Niners deserve everything they get. They deserve a bye week. They're playing that well. But if they're the three seed and the Lions are the uh, six seed. <laughs> Mike I mean, and I were talking about that yesterday. What, this is uh, what, I mean, this is. This is why well, we that's lift juicy all stuff. That's, that's why we juicy lift, right there. That's why we lift all them scripts in our business. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, I'm I'm rooting for that. Even though I know the Niners would prefer to have the week off, but boy, am I rooting for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Michael, thanks for the time. I Thank appreciate you, Rich. it. You, always great having you on this podcast. And Jason Lock and Four, good to have yep. you on as well. Thanks for having Those me, brother. Are my two insiders here on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Bud Light. That's it for the podcast. That was fun. Chris Law. It was good stuff. D- DP back on the old Sports Center days, reminiscing. Yeah. Uh, he, so you're you're technically above the rim there. I'm going to guess that's the first and only time that yes. Rich Eisen's been above the rim. Yes, is that, correct. Is that an accurate statement? Being above that, I wish if I was only not totally jet lagged and completely <laughs> medicated through my cough and flu and whatever, I would have hopefully thought of that on the spot with Dan, and, <laughs> but I did not. 
Yes, that is the first time I've ever above a rim. Nice, nice. To answer the question, I guess my face on an Occupy game day poster that Dan Patrick's crew may have taken. I guess that's above their rim there in the man cave. Uh, Michael Hayden, my television producer, good to see you. You too, you too. Julian on the soundboard. Happy holidays to you, Rich. Same to you. No relation to Julian Assange, correct? Uh, no. No, no uh, weekly leaks? No, I, I well. <laughs> Make sure. <laughs> I, I only hey know now. what Del Tufo tells me. Yeah. You know? my, is Del Tufo coming back next he week? Is, or is, he, uh, is he on vacation? Next week he is on holiday vacation, then okay. he will be back he'll the be week back. after. Yes, sir. We'll get the mixed master Mike Del Tufo yeah, back. That's right. Where are the Bud Light? No, are there Bud Light fan camps anymore? Bud no? Light fan camps have ended, ended last week, which had four great cities, as you mentioned. That, yeah, that so we're done. We don't, we're, we have, that's it. No more Bud, no more, no more Bud Light that's fan it. camps. That's it. Uh, next week on the podcast, um, I'm going to have uh, several people in studio, several. We're going to run the gamut. Um, Jeff Schaefer is going to return, the creator of uh, The League on FX with his lovely wife, Jackie uh, Schaefer. As the, well, the Jackie last Marcus Schaefer. was great. Classic, the, I haven't the seen it. has been good this year, very good. Well, uh, it's been renewed again. He's going to come in with his uh, writing and producing partner, Alec Berg, from back in the Seinfeld days. They've been knowing each other for years. Curb Your Enthusiasm, they work on together. We're going to also get some information on The uh, Dictator, because they have helped. Uh, they are the muses for Sasha Baron Cohen for his next oh, movie. that's right. Wow. They were shooting it last time when we did the Kurt yes, podcast. Yes, now this thing. I think I think they're in post, as they say now, in they're the uh, in the Hollywood business. They're coming in, and um, so we'll get our their thoughts. I'm, I think I lost to one of them in fantasy. Um, and uh, we'll get their thoughts on the season, moving forward in the playoffs, and also I'm going to get my uh, my my grade schoolers back. Oh, Antonio Stefan. Antonio Stefan, who's since moved on to NFLRush.com. I don't know if you follow his work now on NFLRush.com. <laughs> I've seen, I've and seen. And the same thing with Jake Robinson, the 11 and 10-year-old, coming back. I... We're going to get their thoughts on what happened this season, and we should know most of the postseason picture by the time they come back in next week. And uh, they're the only guests I've ever been able to have because they're on break. <laughs> <laughs> they're on break, so they're able to come in. So that's next week, and then we'll 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 try and fish around. It's it's tough to book a show during the holiday season. Very very difficult. Very difficult. So, uh, and then we got more fun on on tap in January. There's lots of names out there. I nothing confirmed yet, so I don't want to drop names. But I'm very excited at the possibility of who's going to be on the playoff editions of this podcast. Rich Eisen, the uh, hardest working man in all of show business. How's that? Well, you're doing a podcast in the holiday season. When, I am. And, and you're going on through January. I don't even know January. what city I'm in. I have you no idea. You just came back. From, I have no idea yeah. what city I'm in. Yeah, I'm impressed. Flying with Irvin on the... on The on the, um, the jet? The, the Yes, the jet, the jet from Tampa. That was great. Irvin acted like he's been there before. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he, has. he has. I'm sure he has. Sure he has. He's acted like he's been there before. Uh, one thing for, for people downloading this. Um, yes. We, we can, uh, we're going to post online our, we're doing a gift exchange. Uh, so if you want to witness oh. that, that'll be up online as well. Okay. Yeah, that'll be for the clothes for the television. Also, the yeah, if you go to, uh, if you're on your mobile um, phone, if you go to NFL.com slash podcast, you can now download directly from the NFL.com homepage oh. on your mobile device. So a little easier way to stream the Are podcast. We, so we're, we're, we're figuring stuff out around here. We're figuring stuff out, yes. Big developments. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. All right. Uh, happy holidays to you, boys. Happy holidays, Rich. You too. And wherever you are downloading this podcast, happy holidays to you and yours. Please be safe and have fun and just cherish every single moment you can have with your family, certainly around this time of year. Rich Eisen saying happy holidays and peace out. Stay listening.